So tonight we're talking about game time. I'll never forget. It was my seventh grade year, and I, and I specifically saving this story for this night. It was my seventh grade year. I was on the basketball team. I actually made it on the basketball team. Yeah. So we were playing in this tournament. We were playing in this tournament. And this, this was, um, we were playing in the game to make it to the championship game. And um, it was late in the fourth period. We were down by three points. It was tense. The whole game was like back and forth, like almost got into a fight during the game. Uh, just so you guys know, I didn't play very much in the seventh grade. Actually, I sat on the bench a whole lot. And so because I was and still am five foot nothing. And so I'm not very big, not very tall. Um, and so I was the backup point guard. And so, so uh, the whole game was back and forth. It was really tense. It was really, um, um, really intense. And so with about a minute left in the game, down by three, our starting point guard fouls out. Now, I don't know how you foul out as a point guard, but it's whatever. He fouls out of the game. And, and so I'm sitting there on the bench. The coach looks down at me on the bench, and he says, Wyatt, get in the game. Well, actually, he called me by my nickname. He said, Worm, get in the game, which, long story, middle school story. We'll, we'll talk about some other time. But, but so as the point guard, my job is to get the ball to the people who can actually score. Um, so we get so we get the ball back, and, I, and I'm actually uh, I could dribble, and I was pretty quick, and I was fast, and I and I could play good defense, but I couldn't shoot very good. And so my job as a point guard was to get to the ball to the people who could shoot. So we we get the ball back, um, we, we're down by three, and I'm dribbling down the court, and they're running. I, if you know basketball, I don't even actually know if this is the correct term, but they're running a two-one-two defense. Anybody got that? Okay. And, and we were not, and we, well, we were, anyways, I was dribbling down the middle of the court, and here's how much respect that I got. Both of the, the defenders up top were just guarding the guys on the wings. I was wide open. So what do I do? I run right up to the three-point line, and I take the shot. Remember, I'm not a very good shooter. I remember taking, just running right up there, taking the three-point shot, like a minute left in the game, and I'm thinking, this is my chance, this is my opportunity. I take the shot. Remember, I was five foot nothing. I got no respect. I, I wasn't a good shooter. I, I, could, I could only dribble, and I was pretty fast, and, and I had this opportunity. Dribble to the three-point line, let it fly. It was like the whole gym just went silent. And I could hear my coach on the sidelines going, no. <laughs> and the ball was in the air, and it was like it was in slow motion. And it starts coming down. And swish. I made it. It was amazing. Yeah, you guys, you guys, were, you guys were doubting me there for a moment. So we made it. I tied the game. My coach calls timeout. He pulls out, he pulls out the whole team to the side, and he's like, great job. Don't ever do that again. And so, like, and then the amazing thing was we go on somehow to win the game and, and play in the championship game. But I'll never forget sitting down there, and I didn't get a whole lot of playing time, seventh grader sitting down on the end of the bench, and the coach pointing at me and saying, 
get in the game. Worm, get in the game. And, and, and I'll never forget that. And it was the greatest experience, but it was the most nerve-wracking experience. Not the greatest, but it was close to it. My kids being born was the greatest, but, or Jesus, actually. But kids are second. Um, but anyways, um, but it was an amazing experience. You know, it was called to get in the game. So if you got your Bible tonight, uh, we're going to look at Matthew 28. If you didn't bring your Bible, we've got the Bible on the screen that you can follow along with. Um, we're going to read verses 18 to 20. It says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Essentially, what Jesus was saying to his followers was getting the game, was getting the game. Guys, it's game time. We got to get in the game. Our disciples, we need to go and reach people. My followers, we need to go and reach people. It's time to get in the game. And that's what he's telling us. That's what he continually tells us is to get in the game. So obviously, um, a lot of you guys started school today, right? Some of you guys start tomorrow. No, some of you guys start Friday. Some of you guys start next week. Who starts next week? Yeah, a few other of us. Yeah. But here's the deal. Even, even whether it's the school year or not, God's calling us to get in the game, to help people find Jesus. And obviously, this, the game that he's calling us to is a whole lot different than just a basketball game. He's calling us to, the, the, the game that he's calling us to or what he's calling us to, the stakes are so much higher. <clears throat> One of our values here at Emerge is that found people find people. So that means if you are found in Jesus, it means if you're saved or if you're a follower of Jesus, it's our job, it's our responsibility, it's what we do to find other people, to help other people find Jesus. And it's nice to say that. That's a good thing to say, but deep down, we have to have the heart of Jesus and a passion to help others find the true life that can only be found in Jesus. We can say these things all day long. We can say these quotes and say these lines and, and repeat these things, but really what it comes down to is we've got to have the heart of Jesus. And if you don't have the heart, you won't have the motivation. <clears throat> John 4, 34 and 35, it says, <clears throat> My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, and from finishing his work. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends, four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. Guys, what that means is what that's saying is that there's people, there are people, many, many people who need Jesus. He's saying, he's saying the, the fields are ready. He said people are ready. He said he needs people who are going to go out and reap the harvest and bring people in. And so without a right heart, bringing people to Jesus, if you don't have the right heart behind that calling, bringing people to Jesus is, is just a chore. It's not a calling. If you don't have the heart behind it, helping people find Jesus, it's just simply a task, and it's not a triumph. <clears throat> if you don't have the right heart behind helping people find Jesus, it's just a duty. It's something that we have to do. It's not a real desire. And if we don't have that heart to help people find Jesus, it may be just a program, but it's not a passion. 
And so we want to help you guys have the heart of Jesus to help you lead your friends, to help you find your friend, help your friends find Jesus. So I want you to write this down. Uh, the first thing I want you to know is that bringing people, bringing people along, it shapes eternity. Bringing people along <clears throat> shapes eternity. Uh, we have to get this concept inside of us personally. We have to get this concept every everywhere we know, everyone we know, <clears throat> people we love or people we even dislike, literally every single person that has ever lived and ever will live will one day spend eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And that's reality. That's reality. They'll spend eternity in one of two places, heaven or hell. And it's that simple and it's that serious. There's no other options. And, and as if, for those of you guys in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus as a student who knows Christ, we have to do our part to tell people about Christ, to tell people about Jesus, because it literally does shape eternity. Matthew 9, 37 and 38, it says, the harvest is so great. But then catch this. It says, the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his fields. What that scripture right there is telling us is says, a lot of people need God. It's saying there's a lot of people who need Jesus. Not, and, but then it also says what that verse is telling us is that not many people are feeling that need, which is extremely sad. And then what that verse is also telling us is that we have to pray for more workers. And the last thing that verse is telling us is that we should be one of those workers. Right, here's the deal. We can sit and pray, God, send somebody. God, send somebody in my school. Lord, send somebody in my home. Lord, send somebody to, to this place or wherever. But here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's your job too. It's our responsibility too. We may, we may know the reason but few respond to that reason. They need, the second thing I want you to know is that they need what we have. The people who are lost, the people who don't know Jesus, they need what we have. We must help others find Christ. <clears throat> See, I came to realize that to love Jesus and to love people, and that's actually um, uh, uh, the mission of our church here at Crown Point is to love God and to love others. And I came to realize that that mission or that, that goal to, to love Jesus and to love people means that we're going to do our very best to bring those two together. We've got to do our very best to bring those two together, to reduce it to the simplest terms. Loving Jesus and loving people is what Christianity and what the church is all about. That's what we've got to be all about. We can have great programs. We can have cool lights. We can have a, a cool room to meet in and have some fun. We can have a 99 plus one foot water slide next week, all that kind of stuff. But really, it's all about helping people find Jesus. So there's two simple questions I want to ask you tonight. The first thing is this, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? And we can shake our head. We can say, yeah. And a lot of us are. And we, a lot of us really do. 
But the second question is this, and, and the Bible says it, that this next question is just important as the first one. Do you love others? Well, hold on. You mean I got to love this person who, who is so mean to me at school? It was the first day of the school, and I got slapped in the face. You mean I got to love that person too? Yeah. See, we can sit here a lot, and we can say, oh, I love Jesus. He's so great. But if you remember in Jesus, when he talks about the greatest commandment, he says, love God. And he said, this extra, this other part is just as equal to this one. He says, you got to love others. Wait a minute. I, I can love God. I can love Jesus. He's pretty great. But you mean, I got to, I got to, I got to love Trump fans? Whoa, whoa, you mean I got to love Democrats? I got to love Republicans? You mean I have to love homosexuals? Yeah, you do. And it's not a joke. You mean I have to love the people who are so mean, who do really bad things, who hurt people? Yeah, we do. That's what God is calling us to do. That's what who Jesus is calling us to be. He's saying if you're in this room tonight, every single one of you, and you say that you love Jesus then it's our job, it's our duty, it's our responsibility, it's what we have to do is to love other people, to love everyone. That's what we've got to do. We've got to show them love. We've got to treat people no different. We have to be kind and caring to every single person. Luke 10, verse 2 and 3 says, The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his fields. Go now and remember that I'm sending you out. He said go, so we gotta go. He's, saying, he's calling us to get into the game. He's saying it's game time. We gotta go. We got a job. We got a responsibility. We have a duty. And, and so, so tonight, um, I'm just gonna do something a little bit different and, and I need to hurry too, but I wanna invite my friend Tate up to the front. Yeah, come on, give Tate a hand, come on. So Tate is about to start her sophomore year at Evangel University, but back when you were a student, when you were a senior in high school, you, and, and you were always a great bringer, always a great inviter of your friends, but your senior year, something changed, something snapped, something was a little bit different, and because of you and because of God working in you and your heart, tell us what happened. God wanted to do through me that week. I was still trying to figure it out. And I was like, every night was great. I was down at the altars. I was praying for people. People were praying for me like it was great. But then something clicked on that Friday night. I just, Jeff was speaking on fasting. And I was like, I've never really participated in fasting before. I know it's something that the Bible says. And I know that a lot of people do. And I know it's a great thing. And it answers a lot of people's prayers. But I just know that I needed, I was like, man, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do what he's suggesting. I was like, I'm going to try it out, see if it works. And I remember that summer I would fast um, most of the time during lunch. I mean, I was super busy. I had jobs. So, I mean, half the time during the day I would get so busy and I wouldn't even eat lunch like 3 o'clock. But, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take the time. I'm going to set aside time during 
like 12 to 1 or 12 to 12.30, whatever I had time for. And I would fast and I would just pray and I would dig into the word and I would just pray for my school year. Because I was like, you know what? It's my senior year. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have a good time, but I'm going to be the light that my school needs. And um, I just remember at the end of that summer, I was just like, you know what? I feel so encouraged. The Lord is so good. I know that he's going to do so many great things in the people's lives at my school. And I just remember him telling me that there are going to be five people that are just crying out for the Lord, but I, no one else would notice. And, you know, I, I saw those five people, and four of them were actually in show choir with me, so that was pretty convenient, but they were a grade below me, so I was like, you know what, I mean, like, that's okay, like, I'll still befriend them and everything, and, because it's obviously, be friends with everybody, but, um, <laughs> That's besides the point. I can go on about that different different time. But yeah. Um, so I remember four out of the five of those people were in choir with me. And I was like, this is great. It's an easy way to connect with them. It's an easy way to make friends with them. So I just remember connecting with them. And just those, those four people in the choir and then the fifth person outside of it. I just remember connecting with all five of them and just becoming friends with them. And as the first semester of my senior year went on, I was like, you know what? I think now's the time that... I feel like they're my good friends. I'm going to invite them to church. I'm going to try it out. If they say no, they say no. I can try again next week. And I invited them, and only one person could come the first week. And I was like, okay, that's good. One person, that's, that's a good start. So one person came, and that night on her way home with me, I was taking her home after McDonald's, she starts bawling her eyes out in the car, and she was like, I, I should have been saved at that altar tonight, but I want to do it right now. So she asked Jesus into her heart in my car. We were driving on I-70 out to Grain Valley, and it can literally happen anywhere. And that's just so incredible how that one person, that first week that I invited them, turned into five people the next week. And you know what those five people did after that? They had such an incredible experience here at Emerge that they, each of them, invited more people. And sooner or later, on to after winter break, after Christmas, into the new year, there was about... 20, 25 people just from that one person that I started with to the five people on to 2025. So, yeah. yeah. Um, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Are you perfect? I am not perfect at all. Like, do you, do you have all the answers? No, I don't. Pretty clueless, actually. Because <laughs> I think a lot of times what we... <clears throat> what we think, um, well, let me ask you this too. Were you scared to invite him to talk? I, to him? I was scared. I was like, you know what? I hope these are the five people that I really need because he just said five people. He didn't give me names or anything. I was like, okay, Lord, I, I'll figure it out. Like, I'll do it. It's whatever. But yeah. I was hoping, praying that these five people were the right people that I needed to reach out to. And here's the deal. And I think that's a, this is a lot of our excuse is that we're not popular enough or that we're afraid, or that we don't know all the answers, or they're not going to listen to me, or they're going to reject me. And, and I'm sure there was that fear of rejection yeah. a little bit too. Um, and we, we have this fear that we build up in our own lives, in our own hearts, and we're so afraid. But I guarantee you, a lot of the time, if you'll just step out in faith, then God will take over, and God will provide. And, and one thing that we say here, too, and, and I want to encourage you, there's no one that you could invite that will ever turn away unless they're just too old because we only do 7th and 12th grade here. But 
unless they're too old, but there's no one that you could ever bring, there's no one you could ever invite that we're ever going to turn away at the door because anyone is welcome here to emerge because anyone is welcome to Jesus. And that's got to be our heart. That's got to be our passion. And that's what we got to get excited about. But the final thing I would just want to share with you guys, please listen just for a second. The final thing I wanted to share with you tonight is that Christ's heart has to become our heart. The things that he loves have to become things that we love. The people that he loves need to be people that we love. Who does, who does Christ love? Everybody. Everybody. The, the, the kids who vape in the bathrooms at school, the, 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 the kids who say the filthy things, the kids who, listen, 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 please. The people who say the filthy things, the people who ter- tell the terrible jokes, the people who go out and party all the time, the people who, who just are, are lonely, who doubt the, the gamers, the athletes, the whoever. Who needs Jesus? Everybody needs Jesus. And it's our job, it's our responsibility. If we say that found people find people, it's our job, it's our responsibility to help people find Jesus. And so I, I just want you to, maybe, maybe you started back to school today, maybe you start later this week, maybe you start next week, um, but I want you to, to take some time this evening when you go home and as you're preparing for school tomorrow, take some time maybe as you're laying in bed or as you're preparing, but just pray. Just pray and just, just send out a prayer and, just, and speak to Jesus for a moment, just for a few moments, and just ask him to give you the heart of Jesus. Ask him to, to give you his heart. Ask him to help you see people the way that he sees people. And help it, ask him to help you to love everyone, even those ones who are so difficult to love.